Money Pit is brought to you by Plastics Make It Possible, Stanley Tools, Blinds Galore, Lutron, and the National Association of Realtors. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your home improvement project question. We want to solve that do-it-yourself dilemma. If you're thinking about doing a project yourself, you're a do-it-yourselfer. And what we want to do is prevent you from becoming a do-it-to-yourselfer by taking the wrong steps. So we can help you with whatever's going on. Soup to nuts, floorboards to shingles, 888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. This is that final push week where people are getting the projects done that they want to accomplish before the holidays officially kick off around Thanksgiving, right? So painting, fix up, hoping that bathroom hardware will show up right. so you can put the toilet back, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, Give us a call. 888-666-3974. Coming up this hour, if you're thinking about painting a room or two for the holidays before you choose your color, you want to know how to choose the right paintbrush for the project. If you don't choose the right brush, the project will not come out very well. We're going to tell you what you need to know. All right. And while you're redecorating, you may be in the market for some new window coverings, but before you stop at the store to choose something off the rack, you should consider custom window treatments. You might be thinking that they're too pricey, but we've got options for affordable window coverings for professional custom designs on a budget. Plus, with all of that holiday trash getting ready to pile up, you might be thinking about what you need to do to get rid of waste in a smart way. We'll have advice on just that, on what you can recycle. It's actually much, much more than you think. There are many products around your house that we use every day that you would never think you could recycle, and you can We'll tell you what you need to know in just a bit. Plus, this hour, we're giving away a Gel Pro Comfort Mat. It's going to reduce pain on your feet when you're standing for long periods. It's almost like having orthotic inserts for your shoes. It's worth $120, so give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first? Scott, New Jersey's on the line with a flooring question. Tell us about your project. Hi, I'm just uh, moving into my first house. On Monday, we're closing on it. Very exciting. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, but during the home inspection, it's got uh, tiles throughout the whole bottom floor that's on a slab. That has, The home inspector said that it's 3% asbestos, and we want to put a hardwood floor and for most of it, and then uh, tiles on the kitchen area. So half the people I talk to say we need to remove the, t- the asbestos, other people say just build over it. Okay, so is this a, a, a tiles that are on? Sl- it's on a slab. Yes. Well, first of all, you should not be putting solid hardwood down on top of the slab. That's another. That was my next part. Yeah, if you put solid hardwood down, uh, it's going to twist and warp and swell. So what mm-hmm. I would do is I would recommend you use engineered hardwood, which will be indistinguishable visually. I mean, it's going to look exactly like pre-finished hardwood. But it's very, it's much, much easier to install, and it has uh, locked-together capabilities as well. So you can snap these tiles together, lay it in place, and I see no reason why you can't leave the asbestos there and put the hardwood floor, uh, right, the engineered hardwood floor, right on top of it. You know, the risk is disturbing anything that has asbestos in it. If it's not friable, it's not deteriorated, and in a, in a vinyl tile, in a vinyl asbestos tile, it certainly isn't. I wouldn't take it's it up. It's chipping in certain there. areas. Yeah, that's minor, though. And even those chips, you know, that asbestos is contained inside the vinyl. So I would tend just to leave it alone, and I would put engineered hardwood right on top of that. Very frequently, you'll put an underlayment in between, and I think that will do the trick. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much. 
Now we've got Barb in Iowa on the line who's got a heating question. How can we help you today? Yes, um, my son recently purchased a house, and it has the hot water heat. And um, was wondering about if we replace that, if you'd suggest staying with that system or going with maybe like the forced air natural gas. Oh, no. I would definitely. Well, first of all, is it a gas-fired heating system? Is just just heated by hot water instead of ducts? Yeah, it has kind of the radiators along the... Oh, uh, listen, Barb, you've got the best heating system available. So you definitely don't want to take, never take apart a radiant system. Now, um, if you want to add air conditioning, you add a separate set of ducts for that. But you uh-huh. never disable that hot water baseboard system because it delivers warm, moist heat. Now, most builders today don't put these in because they're too expensive. But if you bought a house that's got one, you definitely want to keep it and enjoy it. Okay. So, and then if. Just repair it if it would need any. Well, I mean, hot water systems rarely need repair. It's just that the boiler needs maintenance. But but hot, most hot water gas-fired boilers will last 25 or 30 years. Okay. Well, thank you. You're welcome, Barb. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now, you can call in your home repair, your home improvement, your home design, decor, architectural, windows, whatever. We can help you 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, you may already recycle food packaging, including cans and plastic bottles. But did you know you can recycle items from just about every room of your house? Find out how to reduce waste from going to your local landfill next. The Money Pit is brought to you by the Chamberlain MyQ Garage. If you forget to close your garage door, it alerts your smartphone so you can control it from anywhere. Works with most garage door openers. Discover smarter possibilities at Chamberlain.com. Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT. If you do, you'll get the answer to your home improvement question. And this hour, we're giving away a Gel Pro Comfort Mat worth $120. It's a great mat for use in areas that have you on your feet for long periods, like in front of the stove, the sink, or the workbench, because it offers dual comfort technology. That's right. You'll get both the soothing proprietary gel gel and an energy return foam for a cool soothing effect that's going to cut down on the discomfort caused from standing for long periods of time. The mat features a stain resistant waterproof surface and it sort of molds to your feet to give you maximum support and stability. The Gel Pro Comfort Mat comes in several colors so it'll match your decor. It's available at select bed, bath and beyond stores. Visit gelpro.com to learn more and give us a call right now for the answer to your home improvement question at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Kathy in Florida, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I have a problem, not I, but my daughter has a problem with her sliding doors. Okay. It's, um, uh, in winter, it's awfully drafty. And on a previous show, you mentioned a product to put on that you can peel off in springtime very easily, and that seals the doors and windows. But I did not get the name, so that's why I'm calling back if you remember that or if you can help me with this problem. Now, Kathy, it's a very common product that we talk about often. It's um, DAP has one. It's called Seal and Peel Caulk. A lot of different manufacturers make one, but 
once she seals this door, you know, it's not something that you're going to want to peel off and, and, you know, reapply. Is this a door that she uses often or could she like call this doorway closed for the season? No, she doesn't use it in winter at all. Okay. So then you could seal it off for the winter as long as, and the thing that concerns me though, in, in telling you this is while you can seal it off for the winter, you're also sort of sealing it shut. So if this is an emergency exit out of the house in the event of a fire or something like that, you know, you might not want to do this, but the product is a weather stripping caulk. It's clear. It looks like silicone, but it's not. And you essentially caulk drafty windows or doors. And then in the spring, you peel it off and it doesn't damage the underlying door. But like I said, because it's a door, we don't recommend that you seal it shut because then you won't be able to get out. And, you know, that's a good option if the draft is coming in from around the door, like in the operable parts, the doorway itself, for lack of a better area to describe. If you feel that the draft is coming from the glass itself, there's also those clear sheetings that you can attach in addition to sealing off the other part that you sort of blow dry in place that sort of seals off you know, an additional layer if the draft is coming through the glass as well. And, you know, a combination of those two things might work. It's shrink film. It would attach to the outside frame of the door. Uh, it sort of has like a double face tape attachment. And then you heat it with a hairdryer and it shrinks and pulls really tight and taut. And, of course, that would stop the drafts. But in the event you had to get out in an emergency, you just break through and, and, and go on out. All right, Kathy. So I hope that those are some good ideas. It helps uh, you and your daughter out. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Robert in Florida, you've got the money pit. I understand you've got a countertop question for us. Mike for Mike, countertops are starting to come uh, unglued. And I'm trying to find out what a good glue would be to use to make sure that they are um, fully um, cemented back into place. Uh, it's not a large section. It goes like uh, about 8 to 12 inches at a time. Um, I do have some C-clamps that I can use to... Um, fasten them down. As long as it's the countertop that's coming unglued and not you, Robert, we can help. (laughs) What you want to do is use contact cement. Now, the area that is uh, separated with contact cement, what you want to do is try to to actually separate that area as much as you can because you're going to kind of work in there. So if you can peel up the loose area, maybe um, put a piece of wood in there or something as a spacer to really have some some area in there, um, do that. And then what you're going to do is you're going to pick up some contact cement. And contact cement is available uh, as in either water-based or, or, uh, or solvent-based. The solvent-based works a lot better. So a small container of contact cement, not rubber cement, by the way, contact cement, specifically used for laminate. Uh, you brush it in there, and as the name implied, it dries on contact. So you keep it separated while it's drying, okay? And then... Once it's dried, which just takes, you know, 15, 20 minutes, then you will pull out your spacers and press that laminate back down in place, working from back to the front. And you can put a towel over it or like even a rolling pin works good and roll it down really, really good and really, really tight. And that'll hold it. But the contact cement's what you need. Any other type of adhesive that you use will, will not work. Okay. So nothing like um, maybe liquid nails or anything like that? No. Um you know, in a pinch for a tiny edge, yes, but if you have a separation like that, contact cement. That's what it was done originally, and that's what will work. Just make sure you clean it, remove any debris that's in there, and, uh, you know, be generous with the cement. Don't make it lumpy, but get good coverage, okay? Okay, great. Thanks a lot for your help. 
Well, never to miss a holiday here on the Money Pit. You should know that on November 15th, we celebrate America Recycles Day. It's a day that's dedicated to encouraging Americans to recycle and a good time for tips about some of the household packaging that can be recycled, as we've learned from the experts at Plastics Make It Possible. Well, a wide variety of the food packaging that you use every day can be recycled in many of our curbside programs across the country. So this includes milk and juice jugs, beverage bottles, yogurt, yogurt and cottage cheese containers, condiment containers, and more. Now, recyclables are not limited to the kitchen, though. We can recycle shampoo and conditioner bottles, mouthwash bottles, hand soap bottles, detergent bottles, bleach bottles, and even more. Even plastic bags, films, and wraps can be recycled by returning them to participating grocery store locations. You just have to look for the recycling symbol on all of your packaging and then check with local programs to see what you can contribute. And to make sure you're recycling everything you can, visit earth911.com or iwanttoberecycled.org and you'll find out what's accepted for recycling in your community. And this tip was presented by Plastics Make It Possible. For more information, visit plasticsmakeitpossible.com. Julian Colorado's on the line and has a heating question. My question is um, regarding heat pump and how energy efficient they might be because we're an all-electric house. Our electric bill is very high. And how is your house heated right now, Julie? It's heated with baseboards. And actually, we don't even really heat our house. We'll heat one room because it's so expensive. Right now, you're heating with electric resistance heat, which, as you accurately stated, is the most expensive type of heat. Now, a heat pump system would be far less expensive, but it would require a duct system to be installed throughout the house. So you would have that upfront cost of running the heating ducts. If you had that system installed, the way a heat pump works is it's kind of like an air conditioning system that runs all winter, except that in the wintertime, the refrigeration system is reversed. Now, if you've ever walked, say, by a window air conditioner in the summer, you know it blows hot air out the back of it, out to the outside. If you sort of took that window air conditioner out and flipped it around and stuck it inside, you'd have a heat pump. And it'd be blowing the hot air in the house. That's essentially what happens. It reverses the refrigeration cycle in the wintertime. Now, generally speaking, heat pumps are not always recommended for very, very cold climates because heat pumps only maintain the heat when there's a two-degree differentiation between what the temperature is set at, uh, what the temperature is, and what the temperature is set at, I should say. So if you set your temperature at 70, it falls to 69, the heat goes on. If it falls inside to 68, the heat pump stays on. If it falls to 67, the heat pump says to its electric resistance backup system, which is always part of a heat pump, hey, I can't keep up with this. I need some help. Turn on the heating coils. And then you're not saving any money. So will it save, will it be less expensive than baseboard electric? Yes. But it has a significant upfront cost in terms of the the installation because you'd need a duct system as well as the heat pump equipment. Does that make sense? Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Dottie in Nebraska's on the line and needs some help with a flooring project. What can we do for you today? I'm replacing, we'll be replacing an, a vinyl floor in the kitchen. And I've never had a wood floor. I love the look of wood. But I'm confused as to whether to go with wood or wood laminate because I want easy care. Okay, and this is strictly for your kitchen, or does it... We will be going into the dining room, too, we've decided. We'll be taking up carpet in there to extend into the dining room. Okay, so it's is it an open plan, or is there a threshold, or, you know, is there a division between these two spaces? 
there is a counter between the two. Okay. Now, for kitchens, I mean, hardwood floors are beautiful, but generally, even if they have, you know, a commercial type of coating on them, they're not really meant to stand up to the wear and tear and perhaps the moisture that could occur in a kitchen environment. Um, I think a laminate is probably a better choice for you just because of the way they are made and the finishes on top of them make them more easy to clean, easier to deal with any spills that might occur, and certainly, you know, more durable. And of course, can look like anything. I actually just put a laminate in a home I redid in California that was a six-inch wide plank that had a hand-scraped finish on it. So it certainly had that warmth and look and a quality of a traditional hardwood that you're probably looking for. And, you know, depending on the quality of laminate, you could get kind of close to a hardwood price, (laughs) but I think you can still keep it in your price range. But you can find certainly beautiful options in the laminate. I think that's probably the way you want to go for a kitchen. Okay, and see if you agree with this. I've been told that we have oak cabinets that are okay and um, not to try to match those. Is that right, to go lighter or darker? Absolutely. What color is the oak? Is it sort of natural? Has it been stained a different tone? It's pretty typical warm oak, kind of a golden, kind of a medium brown. I like the idea of a darker floor in a kitchen. I feel like it's more forgiving. I feel like it makes the cabinet sort of jump off and create a more you know, put together look for a kitchen space. I think with a lighter floor, you're always going to be trying to clean it, care for it, cover it up. Okay. And as far, I have a friend who put, I think she said hers is cherry, but I love the look. It's kind of a, the the planks are different shades. They're not all the same color. Is that something you think that I could find or would that look nice with the oak? Now, when you say different shades, is it strikingly different? Does it look sort of patchworky or is it more tonal? more subtle than that. More subtle. I mean, I think it could be a very good look if you've got the right look for your kitchen. You know, that tends to be a more... Not a hippy-dippy, but bohemian, free-spirited, sort of eclectic look that's very popular right now. Mm -hmm. So if you've got that look going in your lighting fixtures and in your tile work and in your countertops, then it could really tie it all in together. Okay, and one last question. That floor that I like is laid on the diagonal. Do you do that much, and do you recommend that? Depends on the size of the space. Because if it's a tighter or a narrow kitchen, it could look very busy. But if you've got a good expanse and the kitchen is fairly wide, then it could it could play very nicely. Well, that's wonderful. That's what I wanted to know. I thought probably the laminate was better. Um, I want it to look beautiful. You know, I don't want it to look fake. I'll tell you, Dottie, I have laminate in my kitchen, and I've had it for about 10 years now. It looks like a stone floor, and it's beautiful. Wonderful. Okay. And no particular brand tips or anything like that. Maybe you can't do that. I'm really a novice here. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, you you might just want a good place just to kind of shop for it is LumberLiquidators.com, only because they have good prices, and they have a whole bunch of manufacturers there on their website. So that might be a good place to start. I will do it. Hey, do you love the high-end designer look custom window treatments that you see in all those beautiful magazines and showrooms? Well, you can actually have that professional look without breaking the bank. We're going to tell you how after this. The Money Pit is brought to you by Lutron's new Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switch. 
Never ask, who left the lights on again? Starting at around $20, this motion-sensing light switch turns the lights on automatically when you walk into a room and off when you leave and works with all types of light bulbs. Learn more at LutronSensors.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And you know, when it comes to window coverings, a lot of homeowners will buy something off the rack, so to speak, and call it a day. But by taking such little interest in your window treatments, you're really doing yourself and your home a disservice. Yeah, it's true. Only custom window coverings are going to give you the right fit, the right look, function, and feel. Plus, the right covering can actually help save money on energy bills. And if you think the prices are not within reach, you couldn't be more wrong. BlindsGalore.com offers custom treatments at every budget. So here to tell us more is Katie, the Blinds Galore designer. Hey, Katie. Hi. So thanks so much for spending some time with us. And I got to tell you, is this one of those projects that people feel unnecessarily intimidated by? You know, it's like picking the right paint color kind of thing. People get paralyzed in the aisle of the store or staring at a screen online and just can't make a decision. It's not that hard, is it? It's really not. We do our best to make it really easy. We offer really easy to follow step-by-step measuring directions. We have installation instructions to take any of the guesswork out of the ordering process. We offer measuring videos on our site that are a really great visual tool. Yeah. Um, We have an outstanding customer care team, and they're always available to help with technical questions, whether it be measuring or installation or even design questions, if you're just want another opinion on if this Roman shade will look great in your dining room or not. So, Katie, I think it's interesting because window treatments tend to come and go in fashion as to what's in style. So what's in style right now that people are shopping for? Sure. Well, lighter woods are actually becoming really popular as well as drapery treatments and um, really bold colors like really dark blues and purples. And we offer all of those. Now, it's getting into the colder months now, and a lot of folks are feeling drafts through their windows if they can't go for complete window replacements right now cellular shades can offer some comfort are they popular as well absolutely cellular shades are really the best option when it comes to insulation they're um they're the workhorse of window treatments when it comes to to energy costs they're also referred to as um, honeycomb shades that's how some people recognize them and they come in every color into the rainbow and lots of different styles and many options they can be cordless they can be motorized top down bottom up They're great for windows and even skylights, which a lot of heat escapes through the windows in your ceiling. So that's another option. And they're also good for sliding glass doors. Now, how does that work? Is there sort of a, is there sort of a track that the, uh, that the cellular shade runs along when you're using it on a skylight, which is, you know, almost a horizontal surface? Correct. Yes. There's two tracks on either side and then it can be lifted with a pole operated. Oh, that's really great. Now, I think it's interesting because People get very intimidated. There are so many choices, and you rattled them off, you know, very fluidly, top down, bottom up, motorized, all of these different things. So as a homeowner, do you sort of assess what your needs are for that space, or is there sort of a guideline to help you decide what's the right shade or window treatment solution? Sure. Most customers have a general idea, but um, that's also what our customer care team is for. If you you really have no idea, feel free to call them. And if you're more concerned with a look that you want, then they'll help you with that. Or if you're more concerned with functionality or child safety with a cordless treatment, um, there, there are so many different options that they're very happy to help out with. And that website is blindsgalore.com. It is a fantastic place to shop for window coverings, door coverings, skylight coverings, all sorts of blinds are there at blindsglore.com. Plus, 
You've got Katie there on site to help you with those important design decisions. Really enjoy your blog on blindsgalore.com, Katie. Plus, the first 25 listeners who select Money Pit at checkout will get a free copy of our book, My Home, My Good... My Home, My Money Pit, your guide to every home improvement adventure. So check it out today, blindsgalore.com. Katie, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, still ahead, tips to pick the perfect paintbrush for any project and how to say a lot of peas without cracking yourself up when the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show continues after this. You live in a money pit. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. This hour, we're giving away a Gel Pro Comfort Mat worth $120. Now, this is a great mat for areas that you have to be on your feet for long periods of time. And with the holiday season on us, we're looking for lots of time spent in front of the stove, sink, or if you're a home improver, even the workbench. It's going to offer dual comfort technology, the soothing proprietary gel, and an energy return turn foam so you're going to get a cool comforting effect when you are standing for those long periods of time it's available at select bed bath and beyond stores visit gelpro.com for more info and check out the colors and the patterns available give us a call right now for the answer to your home improvement question and your chance to win at one eight 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 money pit michael in north carolina is on the line with a water heater that's making some curious sounds tell us what's going on Recently, the last uh, four to six weeks, I've been noticing it, it sounds like a bubbling and a popping noise inside of the water heater. I've read several things on the Internet, but I can't quite put my finger on it, and I'm worried that uh, either the vessel's getting ready to go or I'm, I'm not sure at this point. How old is the water heater? Um, it looks to be of considerable age. I'm guessing between six and eight years. Well, I mean, water heaters generally go about 10 to 12 years, so that's not, that's kind of middle age. It's not too terrible. By the way, if you look at the data plate on that water heater, usually there's a date stamp sort of buried into the serial number. Sometimes it'll actually say what the date of the manufacturer is, or at the least, it's going to have a, a gas standard uh, in terms of which code it was built to, and it'll give you a year there. So you can get an actual sense of, of what the age of the water heater is. The noise is usually caused by a sediment buildup on the bottom of the tank. So if you drain the tank occasionally, that will usually stop that. Have you ever drained your tank? Um, in the eight months I've been there, no. But I um, read something somewhere along the lines that you have to be very careful with. It's got a uh, plastic drain valve on it. And when you have a water heater that's a little bit older, I guess they get become brittle. And I'm worried about uh, breaking that and making things much worse immediately. Well, I mean, you could very carefully try to drain the water heater. You simply hook up a garden hose to that spout. It's designed to be drained and let some of the water out of it and try try to spill off some sediment with that. You get sediment on the bottom of the tank, and that does uh, tend to make it uh, pretty noisy sometimes. Okay. Is there any chance that uh, I have the temperature turned up too high and it's causing, well, I guess not at 125 degrees, it wouldn't cause a boiling, would it? No, it wouldn't. And, you know, 125 degrees, though, is pretty hot. You, you really want it to be more like 110. Okay. Just for safety's sake, if nothing else. Yeah, because you could easily get scalded. Okay. All right, I'll, I'll give that a shot. Well, painting is the one do-it-yourself project that probably seems the simplest to do. I mean, like, how hard can it be to dip a brush in a can and smear it on a wall? But 
That's exactly why it's even more frustrating when a seemingly simple project like painting comes out badly. And that's what happens if you start with the wrong paint brush. So how do you choose the right brush for your project? That's right. Now, it all starts with choosing the right bristles, and that's going to depend on the type of paint, stain, or finish that you're working with. Natural bristle brushes or china bristles are designed for oil-based paints. These are going to give you a finish that are sturdy enough to clean with paint thinner or turpentine. Now, you can't use natural bristles, however, for latex paints because they tend to soak up the water, lose their springiness, and they're just not going to perform well. That's right. So for latex paints or finishes, you want to use synthetic bristles. They're really the best choice. And when it comes to brushes, you do get what you pay for. So better brushes have more bristles, and the bristles are of differing lengths, and the bristles have split ends, enabling them to hold more paints. Remember, split ends, bad for hair, good for paint brushes. Lower quality brushes can also leave ridges in the paint as well as thin spots. So hope that helps sort out what you need to know about choosing the perfect paintbrush. If you'd like more painting tips, we've got them online at moneypit.com. Dana in Iowa, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Well, I have a shelf that needs to be cut down so it'll fit in the base of our A-frame cabins that we just bought in the Ozarks. And so it's about 20 inches tall, and it's about three feet long, and it kind of has those baskets that fit in it. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to cut it at an angle so that it fits back in there and it's not just sticking out into the the flooring space. So, Dana, what you need to do is that, I mean, really what you have to do is sort of resize this piece so that it will fit into that open bay portion so that it's not, as you say, sticking out into the room. And you really need to be creative with the angles to sort of figure out what needs to come out of where. Can you tell me a little bit more about this A-frame and the size of the shelf? Well, the A-frame is just a regular A-frame. It goes all Mm -hmm. the way from the top to the peak, all the way to the ground level. And um, so I was trying to figure out how do you figure the angle so that I know what angle to cut this shelf on. Well, there's a tool that you're going to want to get, T-bevel. And yep. it's um, it's like a plastic handle with this sort of blade. tic-tac oval-shaped blade that's got like mm-hmm. a slide set in the middle of it. And mm-hmm. you're going to open that up. You can get that at any tool area, you know, at the home center. And you're going to want to okay. open it up and you... Put that right in the corner at the angle and then lock it in that position. And then you go ahead and put that at your T-square and that's going to tell you exactly the angle that you need to cut at. Or you can then take that T-bevel and go right up to the bottom of your shelf, put it exactly where you're going to want to put that cut and mark that line. Okay. Yeah, it's like an adjustable square and it's called a T-bevel and you should be able to find an inexpensive one. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I mean, Leslie it really is going to save your day and make this the easiest project. I use that all, right. all the time for different types of fancy mitering cuts and too, because there's a couple of tricks of the trade where you can you know, measure an angle and then divide it <clears throat> so that you can make a miter that ends up perfect uh, on, on both sides. But And we also use it sometimes to set the angle on saw blades. So I think you'll find that it'd be a very handy tool for this particular project. Okay, mm-hmm. Dana? All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Gary and Georgia on the line who wants to save the rainwater. What can we do for you? Yes, I do. Uh, uh, my wife and I have a lot of grass to, to like um, water during the summertime. And in Georgia, it gets like drought weather all the time. And we noticed that during this, these months, 
we actually have a lot of water running off the house, and we wanted to know if there's a way that we could, like, create a water reservoir to save that water that's coming off of our house. Yeah, you definitely can uh, collect that rainwater. What you want is simply a rainwater harvesting collection system. And there are a lot of modern ones that are available. In fact, we wrote a story about this on MoneyPit.com. If you go to MoneyPit.com and just type in the search box, Rainwater Collection System, uh, you'll see an article. There are a couple of things to keep in mind when you install it. Uh, but again, there's a wide variety of, of collectors that are out there. There are some that look like they're traditional barrels. There's even one that looks like a half barrel that's got a hose spigot on the end, on the bottom of it. Yeah. So it collects water off the spouts, and then you feed it uh, from the hose. So it's definitely a good system, a good idea. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of options out there, and we, we encourage you to do that. And is this an easy project that I could do um, probably over the weekend? Yeah, clearly. You you definitely just need to position this. You know, you're gonna have to may have to rework your spouts a little bit to feed it, but okay. it's definitely a very simple installation. All right, thank you very much. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. And that article again is called Rainwater Harvesting Collection System and it's online right now at moneypit.com. Still to come, all that holiday cooking is sure to mean a bounty of holiday leftovers. We're going to help make sure that your fridge can handle it without working too hard with refrigerator efficiency tips when the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show continues after this. You live in a Money Pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Lutron's new Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switch. Never ask, who left the lights on again? Starting at around $20, this motion-sensing light switch turns the lights on automatically when you walk into a room and off when you leave and works with all types of light bulbs. Learn more at LutronSensors.com. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, where home solutions live. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And you can get the Money Pit direct to your ears when you subscribe to the Money Pit Podcast. Pick up our latest show delivered directly to you each week. Just click on the radio and podcast section on the homepage of MoneyPit.com. And in addition to our weekly radio show, you can also subscribe to feeds of new articles, videos, blogs. You got it. It's on MoneyPit.com. Check it out today. All right. And post your question in the community section, just like Bronwyn did, who writes, I have one cement step leading from a cement walk going up to our house. I want to install a railing. Can I put the bottom post on the cement base, the walkway, rather than on our first step? Would I damage the top step by drilling four holes in it? Well, you should probably put it on the walkway because this way it is down further. That's actually where it belongs. And if you drill holes in it and you add screws, what I would do is I like to put a bit of silicone caulk into the holes when I'm drilling into masonry because it helps seal them up. You don't want water to get in there because it'll cause that space to expand and crack and the railing will get loose. So that's the way I would uh, attach it to that uh, cement walkway. That also attach it to the house at the top. Yeah, and Bronwyn, you want to make sure that if you're attaching into the concrete, you want to look at a fastener called tap cons. They usually come with their own drill bit that'll go right into the concrete and it's made specifically to drive the um, tapcon into the cement, which will actually be the proper way to store it. And then the top railing, why don't you put that actually into the house itself rather than the concrete? 
Well, Thanksgiving means turkey and all the trimmings, as well as, my favorite, a whole lot of leftovers. I think turkey tastes better the second day, personally. Perhaps you agree. Me too. When it comes to keeping those leftovers around, though, for another meal, a refrigerator that is running at its best is key. So Leslie has advice on how you can improve your refrigerator's efficiency with this week's edition of Leslie's Last Word, presented by BlindsGalore.com. Yeah, I'm with you, Tom. I always think the turkey tastes better on the second day. I don't know if it's because it's had a chance to sort of get more tasty or you're just over the fact that you spent five hours cooking everything that <laughs> you can actually enjoy it. But here's the deal. You need to make sure that your refrigerator is running optimally so that you can actually enjoy those leftovers. And first of all, you want to make sure that it's not too cold. You've got to keep the temperature between 37 and 40 degrees. Also, you want to make sure that the seal is airtight so that the cold air isn't escaping. Now, the best way to test this is with a dollar bill inserted into your door. Close the door. If you could slip it out easily when the door is closed, that gasket just is not working right. And you can replace those door gaskets and it'll give you a better seal. Here's another idea, which you might not have considered. If you want to reduce the cost, be sure you cover your food. Why? Well, uncovered foods and liquids are going to release moisture, which makes your refrigerator work harder. And it might seem counterintuitive, but a near-empty fridge uses more power than a full one. Here's the deal. Foods and liquids are going to collect and store the cold, so your fridge works harder to maintain that cold temperature when there's less items in it. You also might want to take into consideration how much food you actually store. And if it's not that much, you could consider downsizing to a smaller fridge, and that's going to save you a bundle. Great ideas. And today's edition of Leslie's Last Word was presented by BlindsGalore.com. For free samples, free shipping, free window expertise, and truly amazing prices, go to BlindsGalore.com. And the first 25 listeners who select Money Pit at checkout will get a free copy of our book, My Home, my money pit so go to blindsgalore.com right now and coming up next time on the money pit much more than storage for just pots and pans your kitchen cabinets define your kitchen's style so if you're in the market for a new kitchen how do you decide we'll have advice on the different types styles and materials that make up the best kitchen cabinets on the next edition of the money pit i'm tom kreitler and i'm leslie segretti remember you can do it yourself but you don't have to do it alone Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.